Galatians chapter 5. Let's read our text. Let's read our text. And then I want to make a comparison. Uh, Galatians chapter 6. Did you hear that? Galatians chapter 6. We're flying. This right here, um, this message today, uh, I say this periodically. Um, This message today, this text may be one of the most important messages for our church that can ever be brought. This is one of the most important passages of Scripture in the Bible for the believer and for the people in the church. So let's look at it. Galatians 6.1 Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us to have your mind today. Lord, um, sometimes it's difficult to go from looking at the political situation, from looking at what's going on as far as radical Islam attacking our country and our representatives, our people, our soldiers. Well, it's hard for us to uh, remove our mind from those things and focus on your word. Lord, help us to understand that these are not separate issues. That as Christians, that we have a worldview that encompasses all of it. So, Father, help us to receive your word today and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I can't help but think about uh, Caleb. You know, Caleb's there in Afghanistan right now, uh, Dave and Lila. Uh, um, their son, he's over there in Afghanistan right now. I almost called you when I heard about those two who were killed by the uh, man in the Afghan police uniform, just walked in and killed two of our soldiers. Um, we need to pray. Amen. We pray for these young men who are over there fighting for us, uh, trying to defend our freedom. Regardless of the, uh, the policy, regardless of the government policy, whether it's the Bush administration's policy in Afghanistan or Iraq or the Obama policy, regardless of what we think about the policy, um, there, our young men are just following orders and going over there. We need to pray for them. Now, here's the, here's the thought. Let's look, let's look at chapter 6 and verse 1. Pray for me that I can get my mind where it needs to be this morning. Brethren, if a, aren't you glad, though, that you don't have a pastor that ignores what's going on in the world? <laughs> you know? Can't we all just love one another? Um, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. I want to say this. Some of you are going through trouble right now whether it's trouble in a relationship, trouble with a family member, um, and it's issue where you've been wronged or you've wronged someone else. You have sinned or someone has sinned against you. And when you're in a hurt like that, and then I'm standing up and I'm speaking about what's going on in Libya and Egypt, you might be thinking, I don't need that. I need somebody to deal with my hurt. Well, we have to remember that as a body, you know, the Spicer's son is in... In, in Afghanistan. Josh's brother is in Afghanistan. Amen? Amen? You know, Evelyn's brother just passed away. We just had the funeral. Matt's dad just passed away. We just had the funeral. Um, Dan's mom just passed away. We just had the funeral. There are people in all different places in our body. And so let's be careful about how we respond or how we receive the preaching or the instruction based on where we are at a given moment. Amen. And as your pastor, I'll try to be aware of where you are and and apply the scriptures to you. 
Um, but these things that are going on around the world, it is important that we as a church discuss them. Yeah. Amen? And, and that we, we understand that scripturally we do have uh, a mandate to comment on these things. All right? Now, let's look at this text. This is a tough text. Um, I want you to see something. Let's, let's read the text again. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one. Who's that? You, all, all you spiritual people. You know the ones that are going to fix everybody else? Who's that? Now do you see how this text gets hard? How many of you have heard this verse before? And we know that we're supposed to restore people, right? Who's going to do it? And I know some people think, well, that's what we have you for. <laughs> Man, I hope I'm spiritual right now, but, you know, I, I told Tuesday I installed an oven for Laura, and I had to go down in the crawl. It's a built-in oven, and so I had to go down in the crawl space and rewire and all this stuff. I wasn't very spiritual during a few of those moments. Yeah, Lydia wasn't there, but she would have said, Dad, were you splashing Jesus? No, I wasn't. Look, here's the deal, and we're going to look at that. But before we get into this idea of restoring somebody else, that the spiritual people are supposed to do that, let's make sure that we don't have a whole church full of Pharisees saying, I'm thinking of someone I need to fix right now. I'll get to that as soon as this message is over. <laughs> All right, let's, let's understand who we are and what's being spoken of here. So we're just going to take some time and break down this text. This is one of those verses. We could be in this verse for a month as a church. But I, but I feel like we need to go quickly through it to get the whole understanding. And we're going to try and do that this morning. Is everybody ready? How many of you have your mind off Libya for a minute? We're going to get in this text. Can we do that? Can we focus together? All right. You're thinking, I'm not the focus problem person here, Pastor. It's you. All right. First of all, Look at this, Galatians 6.1. Brethren, who's being spoken to here? Brothers and sisters in Christ. That, that's the context, brethren. This is not an us against them thing. This is an us thing. This is a family thing. How many of you here have a, a, a physical brother or sister? Would you raise your hand? Okay. I do too. I've got one brother and three sisters and uh, if you haven't heard me say this, you got to get this. If you want to understand my sisters, think about this. I'm the calm person in my family. <laughs> Scary thought, isn't it? Now, here's the deal. My brother, Bill, he's a year and a half older than me. We grew up poor, didn't have any money. Dad was a church planter. My brother, um, we all started working real young. When I started playing baseball in high school, my brother bought my baseball glove for me. My brother. He brought my spikes for me. He helped me get my first vehicle. Um, when I was small, my brother was a lot bigger. When somebody would start to pick on me, you know, my brother would stand up. He was the only one who was allowed to beat me up. You all understand how that works? That's my brother. I'd do anything for my brother. Um, so now when we're together, my brother's not allowed to buy a meal, you know, if we're out together. It just Because the way that he helped me as a young man. Man, I love my brother. If my brother messed up, my brother Bill, if he messed up spiritually or whatever, and he was in trouble, what do you think is going to stop me from being there to help my brother? 
Nothing. Nothing. But one of the problems that we run into in the church, if, you know, if Dan here messes up, well, we can start saying, I can't believe he did that. And it's different from the love that you have for your brother when he messes up. How many of you have ever had a brother that messed up? Uh, remember when Dalton Robertson told us about his brother who went to prison? How that tore him up? Well, Jeff's out of prison now. He's serving the Lord. Um, and remember, Jeff was a guy that went to Bible college, went to the same Bible college I did, raised in a Christian home, knew better, ended up selling drugs, went to prison for eight years for selling drugs because it was a federal thing. He had crossed state lines. He was in prison for eight years. His wife went to prison. Man, that tore Dalton up having to deal with that. He had to drop his brother off at prison. Can you imagine? What did he do? Man, he stayed in contact with him. He loved him. He's, he's his brother. Was the family hurt by it? He said when the sentence was passed down, they were all in court. It felt like somebody died. He was his brother, though. He was his brother. See, that, that's the context. Do you see the context here? When somebody messes up, when we, hear, when we read something in the news and it's somebody that we know who's messed up, you go, what an idiot. I can't believe that guy did that. And it's the end of it. You never reach out to him. You never go anywhere. What if it was your brother? What's the first thing that you're going to do? Where are you? When we got a phone call several years ago, Laura's dad called, said, you got to turn on the news. Warren's on the news. Her brother, pastor, robbed six banks. Went to prison. It's her brother. Did her dad disown him? No, he's a son. Look, when these things happen, the difference between a family and just somebody in the society is so much different. What's the context? Brethren. It, it's different. It makes all the difference in the world. Now, look at the text again. Brethren. The first mention of brethren in the Bible is Genesis 13.8. We're not going to take the time to go there. But it's when, remember Abraham and Lot. Abraham and Lot. Their, their herdsmen are fighting against each other. And Abraham took the high road and he said, Look, it's not good that this happened, for we are that, that this happens, for we are brethren. Are we not brethren? He says. And so then what does he do? He dies to self and he says, Look, you look out, take anything you want. I'll live on the rest. I'll take care of the rest. You see, when it's family and there's a problem then you die to self because the family relationship is worth more than the stuff. The family is worth more than the hurt. The family's worth more than the pride. Is that right? And so the context of this verse, it's brethren. Brethren. Then, look at the next part. Brethren. If a man be overtaken in a fault. You see that? If a man... This is a person. It's not a disposable part. How many of you have taken your car to the mechanic and they don't really fix it, they just start replacing parts? 
Isn't that what happens? Why? Because they can charge for the part, they make money for the part, and they don't really want to take time to actually diagnose the problem, and so you just replace parts. How many of you want that to happen when you go to the doctor? <laughs> now, how many of you have some parts you'd like to have replaced right now? I understand, yes. <laughs> Dr. Edwards is taking appointments at the end back here after church. <laughs> uh, that's not the way that we treat people. Nick has a problem. Oh, he's disposable. Brother Ferrier has a problem. Oh, he's disposable. Uh, Bob, Bob back here has a problem, so we just, we just throw him away. That's not the church. We're parts. And that's why 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it describes us as being individual parts of a body. You ever bite your tongue? So you just rip it out, right? Is that right? No. No. You see, because each one of those parts is important. I don't want to lose a finger. I don't want to lose a leg. I want to be able to hear. I want to be able to see. Amen? Aren't you glad that hair is not necessary, some of you guys? <laughs> that a blessing? Look, it's so important that we get this, that we're talking about people. We take, I don't know of a church that takes a stronger stand on truth and doctrine and right and wrong. I don't know of a church that takes a stronger stand on those things than Grace Baptist Church. Amen? Amen. We can talk about truth, but we have to understand when we're dealing with, with people who are teaching error, we have to remember they're still people. We have somebody that messes up. They're still people, and they're not disposable. You know, one of the ways to keep from having that be a problem is make sure that you don't know anybody in the church. Then you're not responsible. It doesn't work that way. We're all part of this family together. So, brethren, it's, a, it's not an us against them thing. It's an us thing. And then if a man be overtaken, he's a man, not a disposable part. But then look what the text says. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... In a fault. These faults, they're, they're listed here in chapter 5, verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Okay, these are the faults. But this is an interesting thing. Some of you are here when we, we preached on this, the idea of a fault, not too long ago. This idea of a fault, it's a weakness. So this is a, this is a fall that's the result of a weakness of character or of a problem. So it would be like this. If you find out that... I got mad driving and punched somebody. How many of you would be disappointed that your pastor did that? Yeah. I'm not supposed to do that. How many of you would be surprised? <laughs> and I know some of you are thinking, man, I hope the guy in the other car is small. <laughs> Sometimes you don't think that far ahead. You know what I mean? Thank you, Brother Fair. You're, you're very... One man loves me here. Did you see this? Now, look. Why is that? Because you understand 
that a, that a fault of mine would be quick reaction uh, in the flesh. That, that's a fault of mine. That's something I have to be careful of. Now, what's wonderful, this is so cool, I'm getting older and I don't have the energy to react that quickly anymore. So it's not that I'm really getting spiritual, it's just the body's wearing out, so I'm doing better with some of this. But that's my fault. Is there anybody else here that would testify with me that that might be your fault? Anybody here? You could say that, right? Those are faults. Those are faults that we have. And so if you find out that a guy's lost his temper and he screamed at his wife and she's mad at him and they're having trouble, don't be surprised by that. These are our faults. That's why the Bible says confess your faults one to another. It helps us to understand the problems that we have, but only for spiritual people. If we're carnal people, then you destroy each other because of that stuff. Is that right? So this, now let, me, let me be very clear. It says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, in a fault, look at what it says, overtaken, overtaken. This is, I want to be really clear here. We're not talking about predators. Amen? We're not talking about somebody who comes into the church so they can molest children. We're not talking about somebody that's trolling to take advantage of the ladies in the church or a lady that's trolling to take advantage of the men in the church. I mean, you see, overtaken in a fault, we're not talking about a willful predator looking to destroy other people's lives for their own lusts. This is brethren. It's somebody who's overtaken in a fault. Do you see the difference? So we've got to be really careful. The Bible's very clear on church discipline. If you have somebody who is living a wicked life on purpose, not interested in getting right with God, then you practice church discipline. That is, that person is removed from the fellowship of the church. Then you just pray for them. You just pray for them. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a brother or sister in Christ who, based on the weakness of their flesh, has messed up and they want to be right. They want to do right. That's the, how many of you see a difference? That's the context. And it's, it's our family. These are people that we love. And, you know, here's the deal. People that you love can hurt you worse than anybody that you don't care about. You know, somebody out there has an affair or messes up. That doesn't have anything to do with me. I don't really care. It's just, how many of you are surprised when somebody in Hollywood has an affair? You know, Elizabeth Taylor got a divorce. <gasps> I thought it would last forever. No, that stuff doesn't affect us. How about when it's your mom or your dad, your brother, your sister, somebody that you love? See, the people that, that, you, uh, that you love can hurt you the most, and that's why this becomes so important, this text becomes so important. So, brethren, and then he's a person, then overtaken, not predators. Then, here's the hardest part of the verse. Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Uh, James Knox said this. I've mentioned him. If you don't know, Brother Knox has preached in our church here. Um, I, I try to listen to his preaching on whatever text I'm preaching and look at his books. He's helped me a lot. Listen to what he said on this text. When I'm overtaken in a fault, I don't need you to bring your carnality to bear on my carnality. Is that a good statement? 
When I'm overtaken in a fault, I don't need you to bring your carnality to bear on my carnality and vice versa. When you're overtaken in a fault, you don't need the pastor to be, I can't believe you did this. You are such a loser. Is that the way that your pastor is supposed to behave when you mess up? Well, what about the person sitting next to you on the pew? Is that the way that they're supposed to react? I'll never forget the time. All, these people are dead, so I can tell this story. Um, was that insensitive? I remember I was, I was doing some plumbing here when we lived here on Edgewood. And if you know me, I hate plumbing. I've never done a joint that didn't leak. Guys, I'm not talking, not that joint. I'm talking about plumbing. Now, now look. And my other, those, I didn't ever do those joints that leaked either. I've never done a joint, okay? <laughs> it's true. My dad would have killed me. Um, now, so I'm doing plumbing. I got my head underneath the sink. I had just come from Greg Mix's funeral. Remember Greg? Was he 13 or 15? And he had fooling around, stepped out of his mom's van, and was killed. I'd just come from doing that funeral. I got my head under the sink doing some plumbing. Next thing I know, I look over, and I, I see some feet. I look up, and I'll, I'll call this guy Tom. It wasn't Tom. Sorry, Tom. Look up and say, what's up, Tom? Pastor, you need to know something. Must be important. Look, the women are having a, a, a get-together. They're having a banquet, and, and the theme is teapots, and they're not using my wife's teapots. I promise you, this happened. And being the great spiritual person that splashes Jesus, I said, you know, I just came from the Mixus funeral. So-and-so is going through this. Just found out so-and-so has cancer. I think your wife's going to be all right. And put my head back up under the sink. Can you imagine? Seriously. Can you, do, having grown up in this, I've been around this my entire life. I remember dad put us to sleep on stacks of sheetrock while he was remodeling the church building, planting churches in New York. Okay? Been around this all my life. I've seen so many churches destroyed because they, they got round tables instead of square tables for the fellowship hall or because they didn't use somebody's teapots. Now, when those are the people that are supposed to restore the person that's fallen, when they're going to leave a church over a teapot, break the stinking teapots. I don't care. Golf clubs, we'll have to talk. But how many of you think that's really dumb? Seriously. But how many of you have ever gotten really ticked over something just as silly? Yeah. Yeah. And here's what always happens. Here's what always happens. Because there's always something going on in a body. There's like 15 people in this room th right now saying, he's talking about me. <laughs> Folks, I'm not that smart. I can't remember every one of your problems, okay? This is just true because why? We're people. Isn't that right? We're people. 
And when we come together, we have to remember that we live in the flesh. The Bible says, ye that are spiritual. Well, who's that? Who's going to fix this problem? Who's going to forgive this problem? When I'm overtaken in a fault, I don't need you to bring your carnality to bear on my carnality. And you don't need my carnality to come to bear on your carnality. It doesn't help. We need someone to intervene who's controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. So what does a spiritual person look like? What does a spiritual person do? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So what if somebody came to me after church and said, You know what, Pastor? I, I think that that song that your son did was syncopated, and I, I don't like it. What would my flesh say? Just fill in the blank. I can't say it right here, microphone recording. Just fill in the blank. What would you say? Thank you, brother, for your concern. Listen, you want to tick somebody off, mess with their kids. Isn't that right? And I'm sure I would just take it. I'd probably ask for a verse on syncopation. Look, but what if I get angry? What? What are you saying down here? Watch syncopation. Don't worry about it. It's what you were doing a minute ago. I can't explain every word to your knuckleheads. Ask your parents. Oh, yeah, I'm your dad. Okay, ask me later. <laughs> ask your mother. Where was I? Oh, yeah. So imagine if, you know, Dan's right here. I, I'm, Nick's tired of me picking on him, so I'll come over here to Dan. So let's say it was Dan who did that. So now I can get really mad and become resentful and have a wall between Dan and I. Right? Would that be spiritual? No. Here's what I have to understand. Dan cares about music. He's trying to honor the Lord. He thinks someone has taught him that what, I, what just happened was wrong. You just have to receive it. Amen? You have a discussion about it. You love people. But we, we take everything so personally. We're going to see that here in the text. Hey, this is awesome. The clock's gone. I can just go until whenever. Okay? For God so loved the world, what kind of person do we want? We want a person who's spiritual. What does the Spirit do? Well, Jesus Christ lived in the Spirit, not in the flesh. God the Father is a Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship in Spirit and in truth. So what's a spiritual response? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Wait a minute, that guy just said something about my son. What did we do to God's Son? And what did He do? He loved us. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how spiritual people are supposed to respond to the sin, to the fault, to the hurt, to the pain. Even when it's done to you, that's the way that spiritual people are supposed to respond. Ye that are spiritual... He'll never leave us nor forsake us because He's spiritual, not carnal. You see, our problem is we need a better view of ourselves. Look what the text says. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Look at what it says. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Is there anyone here 
with no faults? Anyone here with no trouble? And this is the problem. When we have spiritually mature people, generally speaking, those people have learned how to dress like a Christian. They've learned how to speak like a Christian. They've learned how to behave like a Christian, right? And so what can happen is when that mature person starts speaking to the person who's fallen, the person who's fallen can look at that person and think they're perfect or that they think they're perfect. Look, I got a nice suit on today. I got a new shirt. I like it. I got a nice tie. I got nice shoes on. That says nothing about the man that's in the clothes. Because of the way I'm dressed, it says nothing. Jesus knows what's inside. Remember when they were uh, looking for a king and Saul was the giant and here comes David and he was small? And the verse says, God looks, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. That's right, Wade knew. (laughs) Godly men are always smaller. Um, This is so important that we get this. There's two mistakes that we can make. Number one, thinking that the mature person who has genuinely tried to change their behavior and and dress right and look right and speak right and behave right, we can make the mistake in thinking that that person is perfect. There's another mistake that we make, though. People who are in sin will often look at that person and all they see is hypocrisy. How many of you see that those are two extremes that are both wrong? They're both wrong. What we need to understand is regardless of where we are in our Christian walk, regardless of the things that we've gotten right or haven't gotten right, we are all sinners who need a Savior and we need the Holy Spirit of God to set us apart. And we're all at different points in that process if we're born again, if we've come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Would you all agree with that? And so we need to remember, though, that when we're dealing with someone else to consider ourselves, ye which are spiritual. Here's the deal. We are sinners who are sometimes spiritual and sometimes carnal. And it could be you just switch it in five minutes. You can get up from praying and you you, you set aside some time at the beginning of the day and you, you give the day to the Lord and the next thing you know your husband's made you mad and it's five minutes later. Or your kids have caused you to be in the flesh just five minutes later. What what do we need to understand? We are sinners who need to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And the traits that we're to bring to this problem are found in chapter 5. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. So what's the foundation of restoring this person? Love. Joy. Peace. Long-suffering. 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 Has God been long-suffering to you? Wow. Long-suffering. Gentleness. Goodness. Faith. Meekness. Temperance. These are the things that we're supposed to bring to the problem. Let's say this. I just looked up and saw Dan New sitting there. If I was messed up, I want somebody like Dan to help me. 
Amen? I want somebody like Dan to help me. Um, because he's gentle. He's gentle. I, that response, and Dan tries to be holy. He's not, but he tries. He tries to be good and meek and all those characteristics. But here's something that we have to remember. The Holy Spirit is the one who's done that in Dan. And Dan's temperament that he was born with helps. Dan, would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. People like me who don't have that temperament, I'm still supposed to be gentle and meek and long-suffering. Amen? It's, that's the way that we are supposed to respond. And I'm glad that we have godly men like Dan in the church who can be a model. And, of course, Dan, because he's meek, doesn't like this at all. You've got to see what he's looking at me right now. Um, I'm glad that we have men like that who can come alongside somebody and help them. Aren't you glad we have that? Amen. We all need to be that way. You which are spiritual. You which are spiritual. And I'll tell you, here, one of the things that makes this difficult is, and this is where, again, it's good to have someone like Dan. Dan would go to someone in the church, a man in the church, who's overtaken the fault and try and help him. But the nature for someone who doesn't have that temperament is to say, think somebody else will take care of it. I don't want to interfere. I don't want to. No, go to him. Go to her. Reach out. Give yourself to them. Invest in them because they're worth it. Because it's part of our body. It's part of our body. Okay, let's go on. Um, I want you to see this. What does a spiritual person look like? First Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is really interesting. You know, when we think of spiritual people, you know, there was a saying when I was a kid, you shouldn't smoke, you shouldn't chew, you shouldn't run with them that do. How many of you ever heard something like that? And so when we think of spiritual things, we think they don't do this, they don't wear this, they don't listen to this, they don't go here, they don't do this. That's what we think of as spirituality. Look at the way the Bible... Now, are there things you're not supposed to wear and things you're not supposed to go and do? And Right? We're not lawless people, all right? So look at what the Bible says. Verse, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. And I, brethren... Who's he speaking to? The family, the church. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. So these are saved people. Even as babes, even as unto babes in Christ. So he's got to talk to them like they're children, babies. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For ye are yet carnal. So how does he describe them as carnal? For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? So then what's the, here's the definition of carnal. Envying, strife, and division. Envying, strife, and division. That's carnal. So then what's spiritual? Spiritual is, I enjoy. I enjoy it when a brother or sister in Christ does well. When they get their new car. 
when they get the promotion, when they get the pretty girl. Uh, I'm happy for them, right? And then strife. The Bible says that where there's no pride, there's no contention. Strife comes from pride. So when someone says something to me or something happens that I don't like, I either have to die to self or I have to cause trouble. And then divisions. Divisions. You know, there's lots of ways to do divisions. There's lots of ways to do divisions. One way to do division is to say, I don't like that Sunday school teacher. I don't like what's being taught. I don't think we ought to do this. I don't think we ought to do that. I don't like this. And then you go from person to person to person trying to bring division in the church. How many of you have ever known something like that to happen at a church? Now, praise God, we don't have a whole lot of that here. Praise God. But there's another kind of division. There's another kind of division. Hey, Nick, come help me for a minute. You're closer than Dan, all right? Come here. All right, so here's Nick. Nick and I are friends. I discipled him. Hi, buddy. I discipled him. We're friends. If I need something, I can call Nick. All right? When we have things that are going on, I can call Nick. He's a friend. He's active in the church, and I know that he cares about me. If something happens with one of my kids, I know I could call him. Uh, when we don't know how to do math, we call Yvonne. Okay? So there, there are things like that. He, he's my friend. So we're together. And that means we interact with each other. We talk about ministry. Um, we've got a teen night that's getting ready to come up. Nick works with our young people in the music and having that happen, the ministry of the young people. Nick's interested in that. All right? So what is that? We're together. How many of you get that? This is division. Hey, bud. When's the last time I saw you? About six weeks ago? How's things going? Good. Good. See you. I don't dislike him. I don't know him well enough to know whether I'd like him or dislike him. I'm just doing my own thing. I've got my own life. It's still division. It's still division. It's still separation. It's still, I've got my stuff I've got to care about. I don't need another person in my life right now. I want to ask you to raise your hand. How many of you have said something like that? I don't need any more people in my life right now. Yes, you do. You really do. People that will love you and invest in you and care about you and your family, care about your future, help you when you fall, and who need you to help them when they fall. So what does a spiritual person do? A spiritual person rejoices when a brother or sister in Christ does well. A spiritual person dies to self and will not allow strife and contention. And a spiritual person is with his brothers and sisters in Christ for worship, for service, for joy, for pain. We're together. Thanks, Nick. Now, the spiritual man seeks and saves that which is lost. That's what Jesus Christ did. The spiritual man leaves the ninety and nine and goes after the one. The spiritual man follows God's heart to the one who needs help. And then what are we supposed to do? Here's this person that has fallen. Look at our text again. We're back at Galatians chapter 5. I'm sorry, 6. Got used to saying 5 for so long. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one 
in the spirit of meekness. So what are we supposed to do when we get to them? We're supposed to restore them. What does that word restore mean? Well, what that means is, uh, Luke, you messed up. So I want you to come back, but don't ask to do this. You know, we'll let them back, but we're going we're gonna to put that scarlet letter on them. We're going to say, yeah, yeah, you can come back, but we know what you did. Is that what restoring is? Let's get a biblical understanding of restoring. Let me give you Webster's 1828, the dictionary. Here, here's the definition. To return a person as a specific, return to a person as a specific thing which he has lost or which has been taken from him. So that's restoring something that they've lost. Then, to replace, to return. I like this. To bring back or recover from lapse, degeneracy, declension, or ruin to its former state. I grew up in a furniture finishing shop. My dad was a church planter, and the way that he'd pay the bills is he would refinish furniture, repair furniture. And I saw, how many of you remember the antiquing craze of the 1970s, where you'd take a piece of furniture and you'd put like blue paint on it and then you'd streak it so it'd look antique. Tell me if you remember that. Hideous, right? So somebody would bring in a beautiful cherry table, just a beautiful, that had been antiqued. And so we would strip all that off, we'd sand it, Dad would stain it, put a new finish on it, and it would be beautiful. It might have been better than it looked when it came out of the factory. What was that? Restoring. Let's look at some biblical understanding of restoring. Look at Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. This is what we're going to do for the person who's overtaken in a fault. Matthew chapter 12. Look at verse 10. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole. Look at what it says. Like as the other. You see, when we restore this, this man who's been overtaken on a fault, when we restore him, he's just like us. He's restored. He's, he's one of us. He's, he's back. Look at Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Look at verse 22. And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring, him, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes... Have you ever noticed sometimes people don't like the cure that Jesus brings? It's interesting, isn't it? Talk about that for a little while. He, he spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him and asked him if he saw aught. 
And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Now, here's a guy that's never seen before. He has seeing, but he doesn't understand what he's seeing. Can you imagine not knowing what a tree looks like? Now, look at what it says. Verse 25. After that, he put his hands again on his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. He's restored. He was restored. You see, here's this man, here's this woman, and they've messed up. As a husband, you might have messed up in your relationship with your wife. As a wife, you might have messed up in relationship with your husband. What are we going to do now? Well, they need to be restored. They need to be restored. What is that restoration? It's like it was before it happened. When you have a brother or sister in Christ that you're helping, it's like it was before the problem took place. Is that hard? It's not hard when you haven't done it to me. It's real hard when you've done it to me. That's why only spiritual people can do this. It's tough. Restored. Restored. Then look at the way it says to do it. Back to Galatians 5. Galatians 6, thank you. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Where is this spirit going to come from? It's the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's got to do it. You can't do it yourself. What is meekness? It's not about me. It's not about me. Knox brought this out on the meekness thing that I thought was really interesting. And that is that the fault hasn't changed the way I look at that person. So Brother Ferrier messes up And I know it. And he realizes that he messed up. And so we talk about it. We go to the Word of God. We spend time in prayer. We try to heal the people around it. We care for that. Am I, every time I look at him, am I going to be thinking of the fault? No, no. Meekness, what meekness does is it takes my opinion out of it. It takes my feelings out of it. It takes my hurt out of it. That's the spirit of meekness. I can't do that. I know. That's why the Holy Spirit has to do it. That's why you've got to walk in the Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit has to do this in your life. And that's why the Holy Spirit might have to do this for you over and over and over again. Every day and many times a day. So that when you look at that person who's hurt you, you can see them as they were before the pain. Before the fault. The spirit of meekness. Our problem is when we've been hurt, we want to maintain the hurt. Because if we forgive, it's like we're giving them permission for having hurt us. Hurt me again. Come on. Hurt me again. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. That person, restoring that person is more important than my feelings and what's been done to me. Man, that's, it's easy when you don't know them real well. But when you love them, when they're your brother, when they're your husband, when they're your wife when they're your child or they're your parent, then it gets very difficult. 
Now we need the Holy Spirit. In the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, then look at what it says. Lest thou also be tempted. What happens? Somebody messes up? Well, if they messed up, I can do this. Because you did this, I can do this. Is that right? No. No. Here's another thing. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this lowly publican. Well, look, buddy, you've got faults too. When you start judging that person, all of a sudden that weakness comes into your life and you are going to fall also. So let's be spiritual. Let's be, amen? Let's be spiritual. Now here's the problem. Here's the problem. There's going to be somebody here that's saying, see, you're supposed to forgive me. How many of you think that would be a good way to handle this? Right? There's somebody else that's saying, he's just saying that because he knows what's going on. No, I'm saying it because I'm preaching the Bible. Regardless of where you are in your life, we need to make sure that we remove the hurt or you're going to live in that and you're going to die in that and you're going to ruin all the people around you and we're going to have a church that's full of a mess. So, let's read this text again. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. What are we supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to go after people. We're supposed to love them. We're supposed to be a part of a body. We're supposed to be investing in our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're supposed to be aware enough of what's going on in their life to know when they've been overtaken in a fault. And then we're supposed to restore them. Why? Why? Because I might be the next one to fall. They might, need to, they might need to restore me next. I might be the next one that needs some help. Amen? Can, can we just take a little vote here? How many of you have ever needed somebody to restore you? Maybe we all ought to try to be spiritual then. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for your word. We need you so desperately.